1: back to the swamp 24 7 podcast i'm thomas gold camp here with my co-host blake alderman blake i know it's been uh, quite a bit since we've uh, had an episode of the podcast i know that you've been in the middle of move i see some nice uh, fancy appliances in the background now uh, so that's you literally that, the
0: that, only that. thing in here everything else is pretty empty after redoing the floor hey, that's so. okay man I'm, i know it's I'm, i know I'm it's always it fun out to here in the kitchen
1: <laughs> awesome awesome and uh, i've had some stuff going on so uh, we apologize for not having an episode uh, recently but Blake, let's get back into it. I think the last time we talked on the podcast, Florida was kind of in the middle of finalizing its 2022 recruiting class with National Signing Day and all that. Um, The Gators ended up moving up all the way up to number 16 nationally. And I know that, you know, when Billy Napier took over, obviously, there was a, a decent class in place, you know, obviously below Florida standards, I think, when Dan Mullen left. Billy Napier took a very deliberate approach to sort of making sure that they got the guys that they wanted um, contact, you know, with some of the commits that they had varied in certain instances. But uh, Blake, I I wanted to ask you, what was your overall impression of, you know, not just the early signing period, which we've talked about previously on the podcast, but really the entire close to the 2022 class, where they ended up? What was your, your takeaway from this? kind of sort of transition recruiting class for Billy Napier?
0: I think if you look at the class as a whole and you see where they started from, I think it was somewhere in the low 70s, somewhere in that, in that ballpark mm-hmm. and you see the rise up to 16, I think you, you, you get an idea of, of what Napier and its coaching staff can do on the recruiting front. But I think there are also some differences there because obviously the early signing period went really well for Florida. You get guys like, you know, um, you know, Kamari Wilson, you know Shamar James, and all the guys that they were able to land in that early signing period. And I think that gives you a better idea. I think that if you're a fan of recruiting in a Florida football, that's more what you zero in on because when you get past the early signing period and you have a coach that's hired so late is what Napier does, there's really not a lot of time in that early signing period. So you saw what those guys were able to do in a crunch of guys you know, that they came in late on, that they were able to snag. But then whenever you turn over things into the traditional national signing day in February – There really just isn't a lot of top tier guys left out there, you know, not all, you know, sure. There are plenty of guys out there that are, you know, big time targets, but Florida really had to kind of work with what they have, you know, from a target standpoint, you know, so some of those guys, they landed, I think they hit on a lot of, uh, you know, areas they wanted to, you know, hit on, you know, obviously you land a quarterback, you get some playmakers there on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, You go in there through the transfer portal and you add some guys that you you know really feel that you have um, that they can come in and make an instant impact. You obviously, you get some younger guys in there, like Amontrell Johnson, who's coming from uh, UL Lafayette. Um, You know, you get Jalen Kimber from Georgia, who's another young guy at that defensive back position that really kind of helped bring some more talent there. And a guy like Osiris Torrance, you know, someone that we're both really excited about, someone who's probably a one-year rental type of player because he was already getting quite a bit of draft buzz. So I think you get a guy like that that can really help your offensive line, can really help, you know, an area where Florida need to shore up on that interior part of their offensive line. I think when it comes to signing day, I do think it was a bit of a letdown. But I also think at the same time, you go back to just the fact that, that you know, you're kind of scrambling for things. You know, you're, you're kind of putting things together there at the last minute. I don't think that the, the traditional signing day is one where you really need to hang your hat on if you follow recruiting. Because again, a lot of those big time guys sign in the December signing period. So I think we'll get a better idea of how the staff is recruiting in the 2023 cycle where they have a full cycle to recruit thing you know guys build those relationships get guys on campus and you're not so rushed to try to you know build these bonds get guys on campus and flurries having all these guys in on, on official visit weekends in a January which is very untraditional from what I've covered you know just in that in that scan of time usually it's you know maybe one or two guys that you're having in a couple weekends there that you can really you know put the full court press on but Florida's having to bring guys in, in droves on those, those official visit weekends so I think whenever you look at the signing day, it was a letdown in the sense of, you know, you have a guy like Trevante Citizen who went to Miami, a guy that there was a lot of Florida buzz there in the late part of it. You know, adding a guy like Caleb Douglas at the wide receiver position, which was one of the big question marks, because again, not a lot of guys left on the board. You go out and, you know, that's your first offer. That's the guy that you build relationships with. And I think that there's a lot to like about his game. Obviously, another guy like Arles Boardingham who signed with Florida about a week after that national signing day. He's kind of the guy that's in more of the Kyle Pitts type of role as a tight end. You can do do different things with him. He's more of a traditional blocker or, excuse me, re- traditional receiving type of tight end. Um, mm-hmm. Someone that I, you know, I think that you can do a lot of different things with. So I think when you look at the names that Florida had, you know, the Jacoby Matthews, you know, plenty of guys out there that were big time targets for Florida, um, but maybe didn't have the time. You know, to get a full cycle in there, you know, there was a letdown whenever you see a lot of those guys, you know, especially Travante Citizen, a guy that I I had a 24-7 crystal ball on for Florida, um, go to Miami. So I I think that I'm really interested to see where these guys go in the 2023 cycle. Um, They're getting guys on campus. They'll have a lot of guys on campus in March, you know, in in the parts of April and the spring game. Um, so I think that this is the cycle where we really see where these guys, you know, where they get after it on the recruiting show because it's going to be their first full cycle.
1: Yeah, and I think there's going to be a lot of interesting differences between the 2022 recruiting class and the 2023 mm-hmm. class, not just in the sense that Florida staff will have sort of the full recruiting window. And I say full, I mean, typically you start recruiting a lot of these kids, you know, the, the superstars, the guys that end up being the five stars. You're recruiting a lot of those guys as, High school freshman, right? So it it it's twenty twenty three is not going to be the peak of this staff's recruiting ability, I don't yeah. think. But you do you are able to sell your vision in a way that um, you can do in the transition class, but it, you just don't have as much time to let that kind of sink in. And I think when you talk about quote unquote, you know, signing day being a little bit of a disappointment, I think you're talking about looking at well, you know good. the the list. Yeah, the list of guys that Florida went in with, uh, you know, where they were at least in the hunt for, like a Trevante citizen, uh, like Harold Perkins, even. And I think if you look at a guy like Harold Perkins, who was you know a five-star linebacker committed to Texas A&M, you look at the class that Texas A&M put together for Florida to even been, have been in that battle and have gotten him to you know basically decommit from Texas A&M and, and was was in the picture for him. I think that shows you sort of what Billy Napier and his staff will eventually be capable of. And they didn't finish that one. And they didn't finish with Trevante Citizen. Uh, I think, you know, for the, the actual day of signing day, that created maybe a little bit of a negative impression. But again, I go back to, like you said, since the early signing period has become a thing, it's sort of shifted up the real national signing day. Like, to me, the early signing period is now the real national signing day. Like, something like 75% to 80% of the guys sign there. And if you go back to the early signing period, Billy Napier and his staff did really well. The other thing, Blake, that I really like about this class is I think you've got a good mix of class balance in there. And, and we've talked about that, you know, defensive tackle was, was kind of one of the issues that Dan Mullen ran into where they were out of whack class balance. Offensive line for really going back to 2010, honestly. And Bill Sykes, um, a guy that has, you know, been part of that Gators Breakdown podcast crew over the years here and there and, and has contributed to Read and Reaction. He did an excellent piece on the O-line and sort of the, just gyrant gyrations that they've gone through in terms of recruiting numbers at that position. I think Billy Napier, as far as you can, for for a transition class, did a very good job of not overreacting to certain spots of need such that you're going to have, you know, a huge glut of guys in one or two classes. And then all of a sudden, like you get to a year where you can only take one safety or one offensive lineman and, you know, unexpected attrition can really sink you. So I like the class balance that Florida had. The other thing I really like is, like you said, those transfers that they brought in, You're talking about Osiris Torrance, day one starter on the offensive line, a spot that Florida had to get better. Jalen Kimber is a guy that at cornerback for Georgia before he had a shoulder injury in fall camp and that kind of lingered into the season. He was a guy that the national championship Georgia Bulldogs were really expecting to be a starter. Um, So obviously a very high level player. I know that uh, coming out of high school, he was a four star prospect, I think like a borderline top 100, top 150 guy. Montrell Johnson's a guy that you look at Florida's running back room with Naquan Wright coming off of a major foot injury against FSU. Damian Pierce and Malik Davis are in Indianapolis this week, uh, or sorry, at least Damian Pierce is. Malik Davis is not at the combine. But those are two guys that are off to the NFL. You've got some holes to replace. Montrell Johnson's a guy that can immediately step on campus this spring and start to bring up some of the younger guys. He knows Billy Napier's system. So I think you got a good mix of guys that can contribute right away. And guys that can, like you said, sort of emerge as those prospects, like an Arliss Boardingham down the road as, as a receiving type tight end. The other thing I thought that was interesting, Blake, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Florida only signed out of the 18 guys that they signed only six from the state of Florida. And I have kind of a twofold take on that. One, that can't be the case going forward. I think Florida has to do better in the state of Florida. And I think if you listen to Billy Napier and his staff, they know that. Right. But. The thing that's interesting to me is even in a transition class, Billy Napier was able to get guys from Washington, like defensive lineman Andrew Savanea. Uh, he was able to get guys, Arlis Boardingham, I believe, from where's he at on the west California. coast? Blake, help me out. California. Um, you got you know Max Browns from Tulsa, Oklahoma. You've got Christian Williams from Missouri City, Texas. I mean, you you've got guys from really all across the country in this class, and I think. That, to me, indicates some level of, you know, if you're getting guys to move all the way over from the West Coast to come to Florida, yeah, that happens here and there. But when you have multiple of those types of guys in one class, you're selling something right. So I'm curious to get your take on, do you expect that sort of national recruiting to continue? If so, how does it evolve? And then how, how do you see this staff sort of constructing not just the 2023 class, but like what's kind of their blueprint or recruiting class in terms of in the state versus out of the state going forward?
0: You know, I think that going forward, the focus is going to be on in-state. You know, you look at a lot of the guys that are coming on to campus um, in those spring months, you know, a lot of those guys are from the state of Florida. I think that's where you're going to really see them try to put their fingerprint. You know, I think that the surrounding areas, the state of Georgia, the Carolinas, um, you know, parts of, you know, all those surrounding states um, close to Florida, I think is where you're going to start to see them try to make that more of their bread and butter. You know, I think that, um, again, you go back to the early signing period where a lot of those guys in the state of Florida had already signed. You know, you turn things over to, you know, sign what you can in December, you know, try to do the best you can there. And then you turn over to what's left in, you know, the months of January and into February. And there's really not that many guys left, you know, in the state of Florida that are, you know, guys that, you know, can come in and make a, you know, a contribution, Um, You know, guys that, you know, like you said, there won't be any attrition later as you continue to recruit and get some of those guys that, you know, maybe are more of the Florida standard type of guys. Um, So I think that the focus going forward are going to be those surrounding areas. I do think there will be some national recruiting mixed in there because I think that, you know, when you're a school like Florida and the way that recruiting has gone now, when you're in the SEC, you know, if you start winning some of those games, I mean, look at Alabama. They're recruiting at a national level. Yeah. State of Georgia's recruiting at a national level. Clemson, you know, all those schools that are the, you know, the, the blue blood type of schools that are, you know, as far as recruiting goes, they're recruiting at a national level. I think that you do need to take care of your, you know, your areas where you have ties. I um, mean, you know, obviously there's guys at Ford that have ties to the state of Texas. They've had some success there. You know, Jay Bateman's coming from a Ford, uh, inside linebackers coach is coming from North Carolina where he's got some ties to that state as well. Um, napier's got ties to the state of tennessee state of georgia um, you know carrie colbert Florida's wide receivers coach i think that you need to draw a fine line of recruiting the state of california because it's not easy to get a lot of those guys to come in droves or even consistently from california to florida but i think again those are areas where you've got connections you know people you know coaches you know trainers all, all, all the nine yards that go with you know um you know, with people that have connections to these recruits. So I do think that they're going to really try to capitalize on those states where they have connections at, you know, but I think in general that the blueprint fingerprint part of Florida's recruiting is going to have to be the state of Florida. That's where the big dogs come in. You know, a lot of the schools that are, you know, that are those blue blood type of recruiting schools, they're coming to the state of Florida and they're taking those players out of state. So I think that that's the area where Napier is going to put his focus. You know, you see him going with some, with some of the staff members to the uh, Florida high school coaches, You know where they meet. Have all the high school coaches there. You're seeing him do, you know, speaking tours like at Lakeland High School, where you know, school that has sent a lot of guys to Florida. He's got connections, you know, to some of these coaches that are in the state of Florida. He's working his tail off to get to build these connections that he doesn't already have and to try to capitalize on the connections already made. So I think the state of Florida is—it's not only is it imperative for him to recruit the state going forward, but I absolutely think that that's going to be the focus for him and his staff.
1: Yeah, and I think they're saying all the right things there. Again, you know, proof is always in the pudding, but I do like that the staff is constructed in such a way. And when I say staff, like we, we used to kind of visualize that as really just being the 10 assistants, right? Billy Napier has a staff where, and I think not just a staff, but a process where those off the field staffers are, are involved in the process to, to a, a large degree, maybe like we haven't seen at Florida in the past. And Billy Napier has very much constructed a staff that sort of has ties everywhere, right? And so if you do have a kid, that's a four or five star prospect from a California that for whatever reason, you may have an in with. And Urban Meyer was incredibly good at this. He would figure out, you know, if there's a Ronald Powell out in USC, is, is there some level of interest in there? Is there a connection to a Ronald Powell, uh, a Percy Harvin up in the DMV area? Like, And, and they, they would work on that. And I, Billy Napier has enough guys from different spots in the country, maybe not all on the assistant coaching staff, but in those support staff roles where they have a lot of ends. And I know you, you, you mentioned Lakeland High School, where he went and, and did the speaking tour last night. I want to talk to you about that after the break as we talk a little bit about 2023 recruiting. But Lakeland just hired uh, Ahmad Black to coach defensive backs there. It's another a really good thing for Florida. And I think you're starting to see sort of, it's almost like a tree, right? And, and you know Billy Napier was sort of the trunk. And as they get the main branches, the assistants, you know, some of these guys have ties to some of these off-field staffers. And, and you're seeing this very big network start to emerge for Florida recruiting. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. I think the state has to become a priority. So, Blake, let's take a quick break. And when we come back on the other side, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the month of March because it's going to be a big one for laying the foundation for this 2023 class. And then I want to get your thoughts some on having had the chance to, to hear Billy Napier speak last night at the, at the Lakeland football gathering. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back.
0: There's joy
1: in every journey. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldkamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, I don't want to get too into specifics on 2023 recruits by name yet. We we can talk about Florida's interest in a guy like Arch Manning, who you know, obviously everybody kind of knows the Manning family and all that. Name sounds Um,
0: familiar.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the, the five-star types, if you want to throw some names in there, that's cool. Uh, But for now, I want you to kind of give us a bigger picture outlook of what the month of March looks like, what you know early April looks like for Florida, Florida obviously starting spring football on March 15th, so that'll be part of it. You'll be able to have recruits out there at some of these practices some of these weekends where Florida's practicing. But what is the general outlook? What are casual football fans, casual Florida fans you know that want to get into recruiting a little bit more? What are they looking for in this month of March month of, month of March there you go.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I think that in general, when you look at the month of March as a whole, there's there's guys coming in in droves. I mean, even the days that they've had so far, you know, from the first to the second to the third, they've had kids on campus and not just one guy that's in there. They've had a couple guys on campus. Um, some days are more busy than others. Like on March 3rd, they have more guys from, you know, this, this uh, you know city of Jacksonville, guys from Central Florida coming in. But when you really look at the visitor list, which is on Swamp 24-7, I've got all the days that are on there. The weekends are, I mean, they're fantastic. You know, you look at the weekends, mm-hmm. Weekend of March 5th full of, you know, plenty of five-star type of players. Um, you know, just to throw out some of the five-stars, you've got a five-star edge rusher in Keon Keeley. Um, grew up a fan of the Fortigators. Goes to Tampa Berkeley Prep. He's committed to Notre Dame, but he's still taking some visits. You know, obviously a bit forward this weekend. He's been in Alabama before. Uh, Francis Maui Goa, a five-star offensive lineman from uh, IMG Academy, who's from out west. Five-star athlete, Samuel and Pemba. Um, A guy that is probably more of an edge rusher type of outside linebacker type of guy, but he is listed as an athlete, has played tight end before. But I think his future and his more focus is playing on the defensive side of the ball. But I mean, even this weekend, you've got plenty of top two, four, seven guys, high four star types of players, guys that can really make an immediate impact from the state of Florida that are going to be coming to campus this weekend. You know, some guys in the state of Georgia that will be coming in there. So, you know, you even go into the, you know, the, the other parts of the week, you know, obviously Florida's going to have guys coming in and out. Um, but that weekend or that, that Saturday of March 5th is really solid. They have other guys going into the week. Um, that week of the 6th through the 12th, Florida's actually having their spring break. So they're not going to have many kids in there. I haven't had any guys that have told me. And if they have, they've rescheduled their visits for that week. So I think that that's where you see a little bit of a lull there, but it cranks right back up, you know, that week following and guys coming in there. Um, you know, another really impressive weekend for Florida is that weekend of March 18th. You know, that that is the one where I, you know, you've got a five star quarterback and Dante Moore. You've got plenty of, uh, you know, again, high four star types of players. But March 19th, I mean, that's that's the day where I've circled. You know, you've got three five star players at the same cornerback position. You know, that's the Corey Raymond effect for Florida. Five star cornerback A.J. Harris, five star cornerback, Coleman McClain and five star cornerback, Tony Mitchell. All three of those guys are going to be there for multi-day visits on the 19th and the 20th. So that's a chance to really make a splash, that defensive back position. Um, you know, even going into the rest of the month, I mean, I know we wanted to make this fairly quick, and I could honestly sit there and no, go okay. the entirety of yeah, this yeah. show for all the guys that are coming in there, that's how loaded the visitor list for the entire month of March is for Florida. I mean, it's very impressive. And again, we go back to what we were talking about before, where the focus being on the state of Florida, I'd say 85% of these guys on this visitor list are from the state of Florida. So, again, putting a big focus on the state of Florida, getting those guys to come in either for their second visit if they were able to make it there in January to spend time with the coaching staff and build off of that, or they're getting their first chance to spend time with the coaching staff to build those bonds and try to continue to, to let this thing grow, get them back on campus, secure an official visit down the road, however long these guys want to take out the recruitment. This is where it starts by getting them on campus, continuing to build those relationships, or starting them on campus.
1: Yeah, I think when you talk about the, the number of players from the state of Florida and trying to increase not just the percentage of guys that Florida is landing, at least relative to the transition class from the state, but the caliber of the players from the state of Florida where you're not allowing quite as many of those five star types, you know, the Amari Coopers, the, uh, the Demarcus Bowmans who initially went to Clemson, you're not allowing quite as much Trey Sanders, you know, you're not not allowing quite as many of those is going to be a big focus for Florida. And I, you know, I listened to Billy Napier on a, a radio interview and I, I can't remember the name of the program that he was on at this point, but I wrote about it on Swamp 24 seven. He's done his research. He said, you know, he's gone back through the national championship rosters at Florida. And when he looked at it and how I, I tried to look it up earlier and, and had some audio go off. So I didn't want to ruin the podcast, but uh, it, it's something like 80 to 85% of the roster was made up of players from the state of Florida when the Gators were really good. And I think, on top of just the the recruiting angle of trying to get more of those elite four and five star types, there's a lot of people in the state, a lot of good, good high school players in the state of Florida that maybe don't get quite the D one offer that they want. They're going to be really good. And when you talk about this 50 person walk-on program, you can build a pretty quality walk-on roster from guys that are D one prospects that maybe don't necessarily want to go to like a smaller D one school. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that's a big part of it. Um, but Blake, is there anything as far as results from sort of the month of March, month of April that fans should be looking for? Because the casual fan always wants to know who's going to commit next, right? And I'm not asking you to put anybody on commitment watch, but will there be any level of concern if we kind of get through the month of March and Florida doesn't have a couple decent four star type prospects jump aboard?
0: You know, I always feel like the time to really hit the panic button is near the end of the summer, whenever you see a lot of those guys that want to get their decision out of the way before the fall season starts, fall camp, all those types of things. I feel like that's always the determining timeline for me to see, because by then you should have your nucleus of your class. You should have not everybody in the class, but you should have that solid foundation of guys, because not all those guys want to be done, but it's turning into more and more of a common theme for these guys, getting their decisions done, taking their official visits in the month of April, um, into June maybe making a decision sometime in the summer, if not before the the fall season starts up. So that to me is always where I put in the the big focus of things. I think with a new coaching staff, sure, you know, you would expect to see some commitments for Florida. You would like to see some commitments for Florida um, coming in there out of those visits in the the month of March um, into April, whether you get a guy come back to the spring game and make a decision there. But I think the big part of this is, you know, it's hard to really pinpoint that because now, let's say a guy visits on March 26th, but that's his first visit he's ever gone to Florida. Right. You know, ever met the coaching staff, has talked to them, likes them, but has never met them in person, has gotten that vibe. So I think a lot of those guys that are maybe making return trips, um, I think that maybe those are the guys to keep an eye on as far as, you know, a guy who could or couldn't make a decision. Um, but some of these guys really, I mean, you look at recruiting now, guys like to take visits. They like the attention. They like to go out and be wowed. They like to take official visits. They want to take official visits to get, you know, the red carpet rolled out for them. So I think a lot of guys that, yes, they're really good players and they like the game of football, but they also like to be recruiting. I mean, who doesn't like to be right. courted like that? So of course, I think that, you know, again, there are going to be some guys that, you know, you would at least expect to have some kind of decision in the spring, you know, if you go in and you're blown away by 40 are blown away by the staff, and you've got a guy like Corey Raymond who has, you know, the repertoire that he does and the pedigree of a name that he has. Um, so, I, you know, I think you would like to see some of those guys in the spring make a decision. But I think, again, that the later part of the summer or into the summer is where I think you really need to start hitting that panic button. If you're not getting, if you don't have that, that nucleus of guys you know, that really makes you say, like, okay, this is what we're working with. Let's attack this into the fall with official visits, game visits, you know, leading up to signing day.
1: And that's, that's exactly the reason I asked Blake, because I know when people see these loaded visitor lists, they're going to get really excited. And then for, for the people you know, that aren't used to maybe sort of the timeline of the whole process, it can be frustrating to come out of these visits to hear a lot of good things, but then, you know, I, I go back to that that first June official visit weekend that Dan Mullen and his staff had, where they had five star guys like Walter Nolan and you know some of these other really top notch prospects on. Well, it was the first recruiting weekend, right? So I think what you're looking for in this March period is, like you said, establishing those roots, those connections with the guys who maybe are meeting the staff for the first time, and then you want to see staying power in those recruitments, right? You want to see not just the buzz coming out of those visits, but you want to see it sustain throughout the summer as in, in to the point where, you know, they go on a visit to Florida and then maybe they go to Auburn or they go to Clemson or they go to Georgia and they're still talking about Florida after all those visits, right? That's what you need to see from Florida in this, this period here. Don't be too disappointed if there's not a ton of commitments directly out of the spring. I, you know, we'll probably get a couple. I think usually that happens, but to Blake's point, a lot of these guys like to wait until a little closer to the summer. Some of them will want to get their, you know, their commitments out of the way before their senior season starts. But a lot of these guys, if Florida's recruiting the way it should be, are going to be guys that announce on the early signing day on ESPN, ESPN two, uh, you know, CBS Sports HQ, these kind of things. Um, because, like Blake said, it's fun to get recruited. It's fun to have the spotlight. Um, but Blake, I think, real quickly here, and, and we can wrap up. I wanted to get your thoughts on what you heard from Billy Napier at Lakeland and just generally speaking, not necessarily even recruiting related, but just where you're at on sort of the message that he's conveying right now in his first three months at Florida.
0: You know, I think that, you know, the, the, where he was at, it was, it was Lakeland High School's end of the year football banquet. So you come in and it, it wasn't like, a, you know, where we have a bunch of bull gators in a room and, you know, you're trying to you know, really kind of talk up the fan base. But I think that I've gone to a couple of these before. I've seen Jim McElwain speak at these. I've seen Dan Mullen speak at these. I've seen Dabo uh, you know speak at these. You know, there's been a lot of coaches that have come and they've spoken these these kind of things. And I thought that from you know, following the Gator gatherings and all those types of things, you start to hear the same speech over and over and over and over right. and over again. It's almost like a cookie. But I don't think that makes you know, we'll see. Whenever you start to get more into the you know the speaking tour season, if a lot of these same you know conversations come up, but to me it was it was something. There were some similarities, and you know, radio hits, TV hits, things that Napier have done that he's brought up before. Um, but I think overall, the speech was really like he he like wrote it for its own for this for this banquet for, for Lakeland. Hmm. You know, he comes in and talks about the you know 400 plus wins that you know Bill Castle, Lakeland's head coach, has had. He congratulated him on that. You know, um, said that, you know, for him that, you know, come into these types of speaking tours, um, you know, it's it's easy to come up whenever you've got a zero and zero record like he does at Florida. But it's hard, you know, whenever you, you know, he aims to be a guy like Bill Castle to be able to come up and, you know, ha- not have to, you know, be scared to show his face because he would have a good season because he, you know, just yeah. complimented just the sustainability that, that he's had at that state championship he's won at Lakeland. Um, and I think one of the coolest talking points he had was that he was, he talked about his dad who had passed away. I believe he said in 2017 for ALS, he had Lou Gehrig's disease, you know, he, he really kind of uh, got
1: very well-respected high school coach,
0: right? He really got, you know, kind of personal with his speech. And he said that, you know, his dad dropping him and his brothers, uh, you know, his family members off at school, you know, always asked them, you know, like, you know, it was like as soon as you get out of the car, go to school, dad asked, you know, what's your name? And that, you know, he said that it's something that's always stuck with him is that, you know, he always replied what his name was. And his dad always said, represent it, you know, represent that name, make sure you do the right things. And he said that that's something that's carried over him, you know, through his coaching career. He said that he had represent on the wall at ULL. He said that'll be on the wall at Florida. And he said that that's something he always asked his players, you know, what's your name? You know, represent it. He said to make sure you're doing the right things on and off the field. You know, he urged a lot of these high school guys, you know, to come back with the unfinished business and, you know, continue to make a state run for Lakeland. Um, and if they're going to the college level to continue to represent themselves. So I think that was kind of where the core of his speech was, was just being able to represent yourself, you know, do the right thing for your high school or your college. Um, you know, he complimented a lot of the guys that have come from Lakeland. He named a lot of the guys, you know, the Finley Grahams, the Marcus Bowman, Keon Zipper, um, you know, Lloyd Summerall, all those guys that are on the Lakeland roster right now complimented a lot of those guys Said they need to continue to get more of those guys, you know, said that he knows Polk County is kind of a, you know, really Florida friendly. Um, you know, the, the county in general has been good to Florida. He said he wants to continue that going, um, you know, and even after that, Ahmaud Black was named the defensive back coach, that used to, like he said, at, at Lakeland High School. Um, and he's got another guy at Lake Gibson, you know, the head coach there, Keith Barefield, who was a former analyst under him at U- ULL. So he's got those ties in that area. And the speech in general, like I said, it just wasn't like a cookie-cutter type of speech. It seemed like, you know, it was really personal from the heart. And, I mean, he went on with a lot of other things you know talking about you know making sure to keep your focus you know staying you know with all the things that high school football players need to do but his main points that I again the talking point about representing your name was was one that really stuck with me and just the fact that he wants to continue that Lakeland pipeline he knows that that school has been good to them and he wants to keep that going.
1: Yeah, I think that's important and I think we've you know we've heard sort of a personalized approach from Billy Napier in a lot of different areas since he took over at Florida. I think that will pay dividends and again I think it's easier to have that personalized approach when you have a staff that has sort of these ties to everywhere and you can personalize it a little bit more because you can talk to a guy that is from that area or knows that area really well. And I think Billy Napier has done a very good job of incorporating former players. Um, I I know that he's made guys like Ahmad Black feel very welcome within the Florida program. I think that's going to be continue to be a goal going forward to, to really use, every bit of the massive network that the university of Florida has. I know he talks about the 450,000 plus alumni um, and, and sort of tapping into all the tremendous resources that Florida has. And I think it's terrific. So Blake, uh, I want to wrap the podcast there. Florida will start spring practice on March 15th. So we're less than two weeks away from that. We actually have some really exciting news on swamp 24 seven as well. Um, in addition to Blake and I, Swamp 24-7 has now hired another full-time writer, Jacob Rudner. He's coming over to us from the West Coast, has experience covering Arizona State, um, is going to get his feet wet in the SEC, and it's going to be fun to watch. But he is a very, very hungry writer. Uh, excellent content so far on the site just in the first week. I've gotten numerous subscribers. Reach out to me via private message uh, basically saying this dude's killing it so far. Uh, so if you haven't checked out Swamp 24-7, if you haven't seen Jacob's work, be sure to check that out. Um, the other thing is is we're going to be back to a more regular schedule here uh, through spring ball. We're we'll probably shooting about two episodes per week. And at, at some point, once Jacob kind of gets his feet wet, he's in the middle of moving to Gainesville right now. We'll get him on the podcast as well, because he's going to be out at spring practice with me. He'll be actually in Gainesville. So finally, we'll have a second person in Gainesville that will help me a little bit. It'll help round out our coverage a little bit. Um, but Blake, I think, you know, barring movers, floors being done, stuff like that, I think we'll try to shoot on Monday with sort of, a, a general spring, spring preview, and then I think uh, leading into spring practice, we'll do another episode or two, maybe breaking down specific position battles, that kind of thing. Um, be on the lookout with this, this channel. If you're watching on YouTube, may shift. Uh, I know we're talking to 24-7 corporate about uh, some different structuring there. So we will communicate that if that happens. Um, but the podcast, you will always be able to find on audio on your normal iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, Podbean, Player FM, and Google Podcasts. So, if you're listening audio only, you won't have any issues. If you're listening on video, uh, just just be aware that we may communicate. There may be a channel shift, uh, a little bit, a, a sort of a rebranding shift. So, just be aware of that. Um, but, guys, thank you for tuning in. I know that it's been a while since our last podcast. Uh, we appreciate you guys being patient with us, and we hope to be back on Monday with a, a beginning of a spring football preview. So, thank you for tuning in.